1: Hi and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9 My name is Louise and I'm an alcoholic The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism Our show has two parts First we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble which is read at the start of every AA meeting.
0: Hi my name is Wayne and I'm a recovering alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy. Neither endorses nor imposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety.
1: Thanks, Wayne. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road. That usually ends in one of three places prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and then become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease The alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This is what makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without, without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Welcome to the show, Wayne. Would you like to uh, tell us a little bit about who you are? How old are you?
0: Hi, um, I am... 71 years of age.
1: Excellent. And how long have you been sober for?
0: I have been sober for 31 years on the 8th of June.
1: Wonderful. And uh, your family, you've got children?
0: Yes, I've got two girls, and um, they're both coming up to 50 years of age.
1: Wonderful. And uh, do you work? Are you retired?
0: I've retired now.
1: Lovely. Wonderful. And where are you from? I'm from a little town north
0: called Chiviet.
1: Oh, wonderful. All right, so let's talk a little bit about your drinking. You know, how did it start? Um,
0: I'll start with this. I I was brought up in an alcoholic home. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad was a chronic alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And um, so I saw results of... um, you know, the outcomes of that mm. and violence and and arguments and um, so forth. And so it was all around you. It was very, very much around me. Um, we never knew what our nights were going to hold. Mm. We had loving nights and then the next night we had, mm. you know, total violence. And, and then from there, my dad eventually um, gave up the drink. Okay. On his own accord.
1: And so what, you know, what? how did you start drinking, you know? When did that start for you?
0: I remember my first drink. Um, my youngest brother, he um, had told me that he'd come across our eldest brother's stash down in the good sheds, railway good sheds. And we ventured down there. Myself, I was probably 13 years of age. right. And I remember the effect. I drank half of that bottle after my younger brother. Uh-huh. And the effect was absolutely immediate. It went straight. I was a very, very, very reserved, shy person, mm. little boy. Mm. And I felt, like they say, 10 foot tall, bulletproof <laughs> within a quarter of an hour. Mm. And then I was walking home, which was a quarter of an hour walk back from there. And one of the things that I noticed, I remember turning around to my brother and I says, I cannot control my legs. <laughs> my knees were knocking.
1: <laughs> and, and so how did it progress from there, you know, into your teens and, and early adulthood? It, one of the things, ironic things,
0: is, is that um, I, ended, I, I left school at 15 and um I was very very aware of what alcohol the effect of alcohol it had on me mm. difference from my fellow uh, friends mm-hmm. and when I got into the she- I got into the shearing sheds mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and here I am with these guys that worked hard mm. but absolutely smashed their brain every night and I remember sitting there, said to myself, I do not want to be like that. Right. And I held back for a long, long time. and um, Wow. And I fought it, but it was very hard. Mm. It was very difficult, but I fought it and fought it. And I got myself, I must put this in because this was part of my, how I held back on alcoholism. I would bought a nice car and, of course, all the other guys that I worked with had nothing. you know, They mm. were 40 years of age. They had a, and I bought a lovely, lovely car. And they just were quite overwhelmed how I got there. And mm. I remember sitting there, and they're in the back seat, and I'm running them to a shearing shed, and I said to them, if you guys didn't do, and they all had bottles between their legs, mm. I said, if you guys didn't do that, you could have one of these. <laughs> and it sort of went from there, but then my drinking... I came down. I transferred on the post office. Then I was a technician on the post office as a junior, and I came down into Christchurch, and it was like that. The gate sort of opened for my alcoholism I got with my buddy, and it sort of. I sort of. I was a binge drinker too. I was not an everyday drinker, but when I drank. I had absolutely no off switch. Like, mm. I drank until I fell over.
1: And uh, that's something that continued for many years?
0: Many years. And then I got married and um, to this lovely, lovely lady. And um, I really thought the heavens had opened up for me, you know. Mm. And then we had a little girl, our first little girl. And <clears throat> we did quite well. Um, We were both quite, even though I was an alcoholic, but we were still quite good with money. We Uh bent in money and we got into a home, a spec home. And I was only 19 years of age and, Mm. um, you know, and things were going all right. And I honestly thought when I got married and I got with this lady and and we were starting to achieve things, I thought I'd grown up a little Uh bit and my life's going to change in that area of alcoholism. But Mm. it was totally 100% opposite. That lady made me feel so secure in my life, and we had a lovely home, I had a good job, and when I went on the booze, um, I was worse because I knew I had security at home, and I just let rip with it, and I just drank Mm. to oblivion.
1: And what were the some of the consequences of of that? Did you ever lose any jobs?
0: Smash so many cars
1: up. Right.
0: I had policemen standing beside my re- vehicle numerous times, mm-hmm. more than once, saying, "How you got out of there?" I will never know.
1: And so, did you get in trouble with the law? Drink driving Absolutely hiding,
0: smashed vehicles, um, trying to avoid the penalties, mm-hmm. um, and course. Not being a binge drinker, those periods of time when I was going through that stuff um, with the law and trying to, I was such a nervous wreck.
1: Mm. So your emotional was, state. My,
0: my emotional state. And then it started to, um, my last three years of drinking in the marriage, um, one morning my wife stood there and she said to me in the kitchen, you are killing it, Wayne. Mm. And most, I know that most normal people would have taken heed of that mm-hmm. and really tried to do something about it. And I got a resentment, mm. and I actually got worse. I really got worse.
1: And and so you didn't try to stop.
0: We did. We did. We went to our local GP, mm-hmm. and um, my wife and I. And he, back in 1979 or 78, mm. they had no idea. Oh. He told me, and my wife sitting beside me, he says, next time you go down on a Thursday night and have a drink with the boys, you have three bottles of beer and go home.
1: <laughs> How did that go?
0: <laughs> Unbelievable.
1: <laughs> and so what was it then, you know, that uh, brought you into what some people describe as their rock bottom
0: my wife left me. Okay. And what happened, I, it was my birthday, I was up in cheviot got with, and I was on the post, I was in Christchurch then, but I got with my old shearing buddies, mm. and I went crazy on the booze mm. and neglected my family 100%. And um, I got, she, my brother's wife, took her home back to our home in Christchurch I was still up there for three days. I'd really, I was just drinking every day. When I got home after three days, I got the Dear John letter and they'd, they'd moved out. Wow. Her and the two children. And mm. I was absolutely devastated. And if I can say that I, from there, getting into my rock bottom, I, I, I remember sitting there and I drank half a bottle of sherry at home. I, I fired two shots from my rifle. I was so angry at myself. Mm. And um, I remember firing it into the lounge and sweet. And then I got into my car and the only thing I remember leaving home that afternoon was the clonk clonk off the driveway onto the road. Mm. And I don't remember anything after that until I woke up and rang your police station.
1: Wow. So... How did you find your way into recovery or or to your first AA meeting? Through Hamner. Okay. I was
0: introduced to uh, it. And I, before that, I I did, I was in a, um, when we split up, I was in a, I was in Furry Road in a little um, bed set and um, I did, I tried to do one of the most selfish acts you could ever do. Mm. I was so sick and I didn't think I'd ever be that sick. But Mm -hmm. I did try something, and um, a friend of mine, I hadn't had a visitor for three months, and a friend of mine came round that afternoon and found me and um, took me into his house, took Mm -hmm. me home, Mm -hmm. babied me, rang my ex-wife. She filled out the paperwork, Mm -hmm. and the post office welfare guy ran me to Hamna. Wow. And I must put this in, that guy... We pulled into, um, we, and I owe him a great debt, because we pulled into um, Ambly, and he said to me, he pointed at the hotel, he said, would you like a beer or would you like a coffee? And I remember sitting having the coffee, and I was spilling it absolutely mm. all over the table, and he came up behind me, and he held my hand mm. and held me drink that coffee. Wow. Without any embarrassment in front of all these people, and I've never ever forgotten Forgotten
1: that. that. So tell us about you know what was it like going to you know getting into recovery, and you know what were the other AA members like? How did they how did they make you feel?
0: Um, Is this in Hamner initially? Because that's what introduced Mm me into AA meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like a duck out of water mm-hmm. in some respects. I was very, very afraid of going through there. What the outcome, mm-hmm. you know, I still wanted to hold on to the mm-hmm. old me, my old life, because I knew nothing else. Yeah. And I was very, very afraid of letting it go. So-called surrender. Yeah. Um, I was so afraid. Because I didn't know what it was like on the other side, you know. And then I remember turning around in the first AA meeting to a person sitting beside me. And I says, and at this stage I'm trying to decipher all these little slogans on the wall, which (laughs) meant nothing to me at that time. Mm. And I remember saying to this person, you know, I wonder if it will work for me. Wow.
1: And, you know, how have you managed to to stay sober?
0: I came out of Hamna. I did a long stint up there, Mm -hmm. one of the longer ones. And the fourth and fifth step was the the change in my life. Mm -hmm. The guilt had disappeared. I was riddled in it. Mm -hmm. The anger had disappeared. The resentments had disappeared. I was sleeping better. And it was because of that fourth and fifth step. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely reading that out to someone else changed my life. And then I came out. And I went flatting with a guy, and I had my children over in the weekends, and I I absolutely resented AA meetings. Mm. I hated them. I loathed them. And the reason was, I know now, it was the fear mm. of sharing in front of people. It wow. was sober, you know. It was just so difficult, and it was so difficult, I t- ended up. After six months, dropping them right off. Right. And I drank again.
1: Okay. And what brought you back?
0: I had to. I had nowhere. I yeah. looked I looked at where the feeling and that all the things that I achieved when I came out of Hamna, mm. you know, the, the cleansing and the, and the feeling mm. that I had, that very quickly within three months mm. was disappearing. And I hadn't told a lie up until, when I came out of Hamna, up until that night, mm. the Sunday night, I took that first drink mm. and I had to lie to my family. And then it started to, all the uneasiness, the lies, everything started to come back into my life. And I sat there um, day after day and I thought, I have to go back. Yep. I have, there's no other avenue that's going to get me better mm. And, you know, I had the children, you know, in my life, of course, and they were a major backbone Mm. of me getting back into AA because I knew that if I don't do this, I'm going to lose them as well. So I crawled my sorry butt into the smallest meeting I could find, (laughs) which was Rangiora, and there was five people there. Mm. And I went for two months Mm -hmm. and because there was such a small group of people, I started to get that comfort Mm -hmm. too comfortable. Mm -hmm. It was too easy. And I remember driving home and I weren't getting I didn't feel as though I was getting the benefit anymore because it was too Mm -hmm. intimate and too comfortable at that meeting. So what I did I (laughs) I progressed from there, i have made my mind up to go into a, a larger meeting and mm. really get this thing home, you know, yep. and um, get that feeling of I've achieved something mm-hmm. out of nervousness when I drive home, mm-hmm. and I remember going to Heaton Street, and I overdone it because there was over 50 people there, <laughs> and I really was scared.
1: And and so, you know, how important have has things like service and sponsorship been as part of your recovery?
0: Hundred percent, and I'll tell you the, I was just sharing this last night. The biggest change that I had in AA where it really changed, and I'm talking about a few years ago now, and I was I became. Someone asked me at the Littleton Friday night meeting. Many years ago, would you like to be the secretary? And I remember my hands were – it was like a major thing in my life, you know. Oh, my gosh, the responsibility of this. And I took it on. Mm. And I've said this many times to people. It was the change Mm. of my sobriety. I really – I was there five years as the secretary. Wow. And and it was so small but so large in my sobriety making the cups of tea, being there half an hour early. Mm -hmm. People saying to you, oh, you do such a good job. You've always got everything nice and tidy. You've got the heaters on in the winter. (laughs) And I really felt as though Mm. that was when I became part of AA rather than just sitting on the seats outside.
1: So, Wayne, how would you describe your life today?
0: How long you got? I mean, it is just... um, I remember when I was banking green in AA, Mm. listening to those promises, which were so Mm far-fetched to me. Today, absolutely real. I cannot believe the life that I have today. I I am so blessed.
1: And, um, you know, how has it affected your relationships with friends, family, loved ones? I lost... You know,
0: you hear people say, you know, being alcoholics, your drinking buddies are just drinking buddies. You know, if the crunch come, they wouldn't be there. I had really good buddies. Mm. I mean, these people were my, I had best friends. Mm. They they were there. They had my back. Mm. They were good, good people. They loved my wife. They loved my family. I lost them. Mm. I lost every one of them through my alcoholism. And
1: and, have, and what's it like t- today? And I
0: never got a lot of them back. You know, I apologised. I've got sober. And I, they have never come back in my life. And it's part of how destructive mm. this is, you know. But I have got friends today that, um, outside AA, and... Um, one, one of the, I must, you asked me that question about friends and, and relationships. When I was young, I was one of those guys that envied people that made friends. I mean, just like that. Mm-hmm. They just seemed to make friends. Mm-hmm. I tried. Mm-hmm. And I tried so hard all my life to make friends. Mm-hmm. I got sober. I got um, self-insurance. Mm-hmm. I got um, self-confidence. And over the years, this just built up, and I um and I really got into the honesty thing because I was a bad, badly bad dishonest person. Mm. I I was a a light fingered guy. Mm. Um, And
1: and and we talk about um, you know the ability. The program gives us the ability to make amends. How has that gone for you? Um,
0: I have made amends with. Everybody that was in my life through those years, I and and there have been quite a few of them that pat me on the back and mm-hmm. take their hat off to me, and and friends that have said so proud of me, you know, mm-hmm. and my daughters are the same. They're you know they're mm-hmm. just over the moon for their dad. And anyway, um, part of this, um, a major part of this program is. Um, making amends to um, people we have hurt through our alcoholism. And um, there is a person in my life, and that is the children's mother, my ex-wife, and um, I have never really had the chance to apologise to her. Mm. And I wish to now with all my heart, and I am so sorry what Mm. I put you through in our marriage.
1: Mm. And that's the beauty of this programme, and that we can do that. Mm. Well, Wayne, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to he- have you here and, and, and listen.
0: Thank you, and it's been a pleasure to be here. And um, I hope, I solely hope that this helps mm. somebody, even if it's just one person, you know? Absolutely.
1: All right, for our listeners... If you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800-AA-WORKS. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business but if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer, as we do in every AA meeting. God, God grant me the serenity serenity to to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and and the wisdom to know the difference. difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.